What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening to this edition of the New Generation Hero Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Obviously, the world's been greatly affected by the coronavirus pandemic, and it has indeed impacted movies and television as well. So we'll give you a little bit of a, of a recap of what's happened so far and what to expect moving forward. We'll also talk about some some more positive stuff, obviously. Uh, Tom Holland made some comments about Spider-Man 3. We know he's uh, he, he's... He's been on tour for a lot of these uh, movies that have come out. He was in that recent, I think he was in a recent movie that came out for Disney. Um, so Onward, yes. Yes, Onward. He's on Onward, and exactly. he did uh, Spies in Disguise with Will Smith. Exactly. So um, so he's been out recently talking a lot about Spider-Man as that gets closer to uh, maybe being a potential possibility. Again, we don't know what the coronavirus impact will be with that, but he made some comments, so we'll recap those. Um, a very, very popular uh showrunner slash director is interested in joining the MCU. We'll give our thoughts on uh, whether or not we think that person would be a good fit. And a, a new villain maybe also be entering the MCU. And we'll talk about that as well. So it should be a really good show. Um, Black Lightning is the show recap. Um, we have not talked about Black Lightning since the pre-crisis, so this will be kind of an <laughs> overview of the season because obviously we haven't talked about it in a while. So we can't just say, oh, well, here's the last episode. I know the season finale just came out last week but we'll recap a little bit what we thought about you know obviously the season finale but also kind of the season as a whole the last couple episodes yeah yeah a lot of things have changed since the last time we spoke about black lightning so um i think most of it for the positive so that should be a good uh, discussion joining me are my co-hosts as always beginning with uh shamari stewart shamari what is up dude what's up ej uh yeah you know we're just uh uh, hunkering down here, trying to stay safe, trying to <laughs> trying yeah. to uh, remain um, not infected. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been it's been uh, a lot of stuff going on. A lot of things being delayed, canceled, pushed back. You know, a lot of new rules and regulations coming out, trying to keep everybody safe and healthy. So it's been a lot of crazy uh, craziness going on. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, and I've been looking forward to talking about Black Lightning because I thought it's been very good. Um, so yeah, I'm very much uh, looking forward to the show. All right, man, I'm looking forward to it as well. Joining me uh, also on the show is Kendall. Kendall, what's up, dude? Yeah, yeah, this is a very strange, strange time in the world or across the world, honestly. Um, but hopefully, you know, this could kind of serve as kind of a uh, interesting conversation that we'll have on how this affects. You know, the superhero industry and the movie industry, the television industry, because there are going to be some impacts that are going to be felt by this. But um, but yeah, uh, but beyond uh, all the COVID-19 stuff, before we get into all that, um, uh, there's some interesting nuggets on some Disney Plus shows in terms of casting that's come up. Um, so it was it's officially been 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 said that uh, Richard E. Grant, uh, who obviously was also in Rise of Skywalker, uh, as a uh, general price or no, uh, I don't even remember his name, Lieutenant something price, uh, Lieutenant was. general price. I think his name was maybe regardless. Yeah. Price somebody. Yeah. <laughs> First order guy, <laughs> Skywalker. Uh, he, he's going to be in Loki. Um, we don't know who he's playing. Yeah. I thought I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. Some people are speculating. Is he Kang the Conqueror? Is he an older Loki? Who knows? Uh, and, the Illuminati is reporting that uh, Mark Ruffalo has signed on officially mm-hmm. to be in uh, She-Hulk. So a little update on the uh, the Ruffalo She-Hulk uh, talk. 
So just some interesting nuggets out there, but I'm excited to talk about this show because it's going to it talk about this, uh, the, the, talk about all these things on, the, on this show because there's a lot of interesting stuff coming out after all this, uh, this outbreak. For sure. And uh, I can definitely say that obviously Ruffalo signing on to do She-Hulk felt like a formality because his presence felt needed. Therefore, whatever Marvel Disney had to do to make it done, you would hope they would have done it. So that's good news as well. And we'll have to see what to make of the uh, Grant casting. Um, obviously, I wasn't the greatest fan of Rise of Skywalker, but I didn't necessarily find his. Oh, really? <laughs> but I didn't Welcome to the club. I know. But I didn't necessarily find his presence in it any, in any way offensive. So um, it doesn't have to say that he's not a talented actor. We we'll have to see what role he's playing in Loki. But um, but let's get on with the with the top of the show. And I, I do want to obviously speak about um, the fact that the coronavirus pandemic has touched our lives in almost every aspect. And I think it's a good time to make a disclaimer here that you know we at New, New Generation Media, New Generation Podcast Network, wish you all to stay safe. Listen to the instructions of medical professionals. And any new directives happening in your state, whether it be stay inside, avoid closed space, uh, public spaces like movie theaters. Of course, we talk about movies a bunch on this podcast. Um, definitely feel free to do so. If you guys have not listened to this podcast before and maybe you're like you're you tried to check it out because you're like, you know, I'm trying to find an escape because maybe there's no basketball. Maybe you can't go to a movie theater or you just you got more time and you heard me or one of the guys do this podcast. You said, maybe I'll check it out since I'm hunkered down. Sit back, relax. It's really usually a really fun time. I'm sure this one will be a great show as well. So hope you guys enjoy it. Hope you guys stay safe. And, and most of all, please, please, please wash your hands. Stay away from each other, social distancing, all that good stuff. But as I said, places like uh, public places like movie theaters are slowly but surely starting to, actually not even slowly anymore. Now they're really quickly starting to close down. Regal just announced that it was shutting down operations until further notice. Film and TV companies have already taken measures to halt production on current projects and postpone film releases. That includes Disney and Warner Brothers, obviously the two companies we talk probably the most about on this podcast. Production is currently suspended on The Batman, Batwoman, the TV show, Supergirl, the TV show, The Flash, obviously also TV show, Shang-Chi, the movie, WandaVision uh, coming out on Disney+, Plus, Falcon and Winter Soldier also coming out on Disney+, Plus. all those shows, production, postponed. Um, or at least suspended. Meanwhile, New Mutants, which was supposed to come out under Disney after all the fiasco that happened with Fox and it not being able to be released on time, has once again been delayed because of coronavirus. Uh, of course, everyone has their eye on Black Widow, which is set for a May 1st release. It, it feels inevitable that that will also uh, be the next superhero movie to be pushed back in, uh, to some other date. And we're just waiting for that official word at this point. So I'll toss it to you guys. I'll go to Sham first, and this is not an easy question, but uh, how do you expect uh, uh, all of this to end up impacting the superhero television and movies as we know it? Um, we kind of talked about it a little bit before the show, but to me, I would think that, you know, we talked about how Fast you know, Fast and Furious is postponed for a year. You know, that, that release that's supposed to come out in April of this year will now be April of next year. It would seem to me that that would be more tricky, Sham, to do with Marvel, especially because of how... All these movies kind of are supposed to be told in a linear way, so it's kind of it may be difficult to push Black, you know, Black Widow back to next year, considering you're supposed to have movies slated for next year, and Eternals comes out in the fall, and maybe by the fall, this hopefully, God willing, maybe this crisis isn't as bad as it is currently. Maybe movies are open at that point. Uh, it seems like a, a really big um, shakeup 
to 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 our status quo. It is. I mean, um, I mean, Marvel in particular, and you had mentioned this, uh, you know, before we started the show, but I completely agree. Marvel in particular is in a in a, in a tough situation because everything they do is so scheduled and so meticulously planned, mm-hmm. um, which is usually a good thing. It's usually something I take comfort in knowing because I know that they're pre-planning things so far ahead that it means that there there's a lot of forethought going into it. And I'm more you know, reassured that it's going to be successful, that it's going to be something that I'm going to enjoy. Uh, but in this in scenario like this, you kind of more so... Yeah, you know, you're probably more, um, you know, envious of places like DC, where they're kind of just, you know, yeah. this movie will yeah. come out, what happens, you, go by, you, be, you know, know right. like if they had to, they were to propose, postpone Wonder Woman, for example, that's not gonna have any effect on DC, I don't think. I would, I would be surprised. I mean, if they postponed it a year, there's no difference if it comes out after Batman, before yeah, exactly. Batman, before Black Adam, after Black Adam, it's not gonna matter. You know, I don't think it's going to mean anything. And so, I mean, I think when Marvel is in a particularly tough situation. Um, now, I think that um, I think it and it's, it's I really can't even predict. It really depends on how serious this ends up becoming. Right. How fast this ends up spreading. If people listen to the health experts and they don't practice social if they if they practice social distancing and the spread is mitigated, and it's not spreading as rapidly as we thought. Um, I mean, I was thinking about that with regards to other things like San Diego Comic-Con, which I don't think they announced has been... Have they, have no, they, they announced? They made, well, I mean, I'm sure they've made a statement, but they haven't. Yeah, I, 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 haven't seen any, I haven't seen any announcements or anything to that nature about, about San Diego Comic-Con, but I would think that that is very much in jeopardy right now. Yeah. Um, and they already, they already uh, shut down E3, uh, it was a big uh, gaming conference every year in the summer. So, I mean, a lot of stuff is shutting down. Uh, so Marvel's in trouble. I mean, they're not in big, big trouble. I mean, I, I think I think ultimately what they're just going to have to end up doing is changing their plans. Um, and it's more so for the just the release schedule. They're probably just going to have to push a lot of stuff back. But I think they're in trouble in terms of, um, you know, just in terms of wanting to makes you know a certain a certain amount of money in a certain amount of time <laughs> you know um which is affecting all industries but i mean i think disney you know they're definitely not too happy right now yeah yeah i obviously you know i'm not a health expert so i, I you know so i can't really give you the forecast on uh where we'll be a month where we'll be in three months uh you know, it's hard for me to even project what the what the things are going to look at, but or what the things are going to look like. But um, in terms of the now situation, uh, obviously Black Widow has not been uh, postponed yet, but it will be. Uh, trust me. <laughs> um, All right, gonna, gonna mark the date. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I mean, it's not. I don't think that's much of a bold prediction. I, I'm not. I'm not some singly who's <laughs> <laughs> got all the got all the answers but um yeah it's it obviously it really stinks from a fan perspective uh all these movies not just you know movies in our industry but movies in every industry uh all these great movies that are slated to come out over the next two months that likely won't um there's really nothing marvel can do to stick with that may date uh 
Uh, I mean, I mean, if you release it digitally or you release it on Disney Plus, it'll wind up on the internet. As EJ told me, EJ <laughs> told me earlier yeah, in the week when yeah, I we suggested that, that. Yeah, we had our off air conversation. Kind of was like, can it just put it on Disney Plus, or wouldn't that be dope? And I'm like, yeah, but that be, will be pirated it, in point one seconds. And get them. Uh, now, what what do you think will happen if like feel like just the best case scenario happens? You know, everyone stays indoors. The virus is slowing down. Right. You know, the new cases are in the single digits, like how it is in China now. Right. No one's really getting it. Places start to open up again. I mean, it's March now. Say by say April or in like a month from now, slowing down significantly. What happens then? For Black Widow? Yeah. Uh, I mean, for, from the people I've heard, I, I don't know if that's, that's going to happen. But I mean, if that were to happen, even so, then, I feel like a decision so, by them would be made. Yeah. And even then, honestly, I didn't even think about that. And I, I honestly, EJ, I didn't even hear that Regal complete shutdown. Yeah, that's that, gonna that, that was new as, as of today, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's, that's going to affect everything. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, if there's rules... I mean, that's going to affect a lot of people who, are, who they may not want to travel if the Regal is the nearest theater to them. Right. You yeah, know, they state, may not feel like traveling. Too. Yeah, they came out statement saying uh, any. Uh, they came out a statement uh, basically saying that they were closing all theater locations across the U.S. Uh, beginning tomorrow, which is Tuesday, March 17th, for an indefinite period. That is uh, set over 7,000 screens in 500 theaters across 42 states. Yeah, that's I mean that's massive clearly. I mean places like um, and in New York City, for example, which is where I live, there's uh, you can't go to the movie there. They're all closed. I think they're closed across the state in New York, in um, New Jersey, and in Connecticut. And I mean that's just the tri tri state area again, which is where I live and where I'm from. Um, but there's going to be um, there probably other states that have enacted that already, or at least areas. I'm almost positive probably if you went to Seattle. I'm sure you wouldn't couldn't get in the movie theater right now. Yeah, um, San Francisco, LA, yeah, LA and San Francisco well. have been pretty aggressive with their movements. I would assume you probably couldn't get in the movie theaters there. So, so yeah, I mean, like you know, the whole thing about even if this is maybe if we like really get ahead of this somehow, which not to get political, but it just don't seem like we are equipped to do that at the moment. But somehow things really turned around in a dramatic way. I think the best case scenario you would say is maybe in a month. We start to see a steep decline in cases. If you're Marvel, you guys start to worry about, okay, we could put this movie out, but our promotion has been just completely blown up. We haven't been able to do anything for a month with promotion. And now uh, people may still fear going outside. Like, what is this box office number going to be because of the fact that now we're putting a movie out that we promoted for a long time, but it just got completely blown up in the middle of it, or towards really the tail end of it. And now we're in a situation where we just came off a pandemic and people don't want to go outside. It's like, right. like that, like, you know, now you got almost, you know, you got to just kind of wait, you know, you know, loss of revenue in that sense. Like, is it, and does, does loss of revenue of waiting five or six months worth, you know, better than the loss of revenue you have from putting out a movie that you put so much money and, and effort in that you don't get any real box office return from? Well, the that's issue, be, I guess, then question. becomes, we'll see how much every movie gets pushed back and, like, what that timeline looks like. Because there's a chance that, like, like 
there are a lot of movies on the calendar that are moved that are pushed back. Like not even now, but movies that are supposed to come out in November that get pushed back to next year. Movies are supposed to come out in you know January of next year, coming out in the summer. Like I don't know if that's what it's going to look like. Because if that's what it looks like, then I think the best move for them would be to postpone. But if you're telling me that all right, you're going to push back, and then you have to compete with whatever the best you know fall movie is from Paramount or whatever the best fall movie is from you know, Bond, for example, got pushed back. Like, like I'm worried that there's going to be a lot of other movies over, overlapping with Black Widow, and that's what I think Disney is probably worried about. And and look, you know, I, the thing about this is that a lot of things are getting are going to get pushed back. You know, some of these things aren't done filming. Um, the ones that are done filming should feel safe, I guess, for now, but we'll see. Um, Summer movies may get pushed back into the into the other summer movies may get pushed back into the fall. Those movies that are currently in the fall may stay in the fall, but then, like I said, now that creates an overlap of movies. Will studios want to compete with their own movies? You know, I'm sure Disney's got movies that they plan on releasing in the fall. That you know, do they want to compete with Black Widow? Um, so this screws this really screws everything up. You know, Marvel. We talk about Marvel's calendar specifically. Like a lot of these things aren't aren't done in production. So, like, are we going to get the Disney Plus shows that we thought we were getting on time? I mean, right now, I would, I would, man, I would say no. You know, and that's, that's just the way things are right now. So, if we don't get those things on, on, on schedule, we only get Black Widow on schedule, like, everything's going to get pushed back, whatever, whatever we thought it was. It may end up being pushed back five, six months, which yeah. obviously is. I mean, it may not be the worst case scenario, but it's a pretty grim scenario, and that is that's unfortunate. And who's you know who's and one thing I thought about was because you know ESPN has made it seem odd clear for the sports fans out there that the Last Dance documentary that they're doing on the 1990 Chicago Bulls that was supposed to come out during like the NBA Finals now they're releasing stuff saying coming soon. Which is kind of making people think that oh they're gonna move up this release date because there's no sports yeah they right all should have yeah and to me what I thought was oh well maybe Marvel if you know I didn't know where they were with the production on WandaVision or uh or or you know Falcon and Winter Soldier but I thought oh well if you know we already seen tra- you know clips and teases and trailers I'm like well maybe they're far along enough to where maybe we could actually get those shows early and now we're knowing that now that we see that they're still not done with production. And they could be, in, you know, maybe the very last bit of it, or they could be in post-production. Who knows? But um, regardless, we know that that probably can't happen. But let's say even in a perfect world, it could happen. What that still doesn't explain, though, is, as I said before, when you're Marvel and you're telling a linear story, who's to say that WandaVision or Captain uh, Falcon and, and Will the Soldier, how would say it can't come out before Black Widow? Like, who's to say that there isn't something in Black Widow that has to, that, that, when there's a reference to it in Wandavision or um, or in, in or in you know Falcon and Winter Soldier, it will only make sense if we actually see that movie. Who's to say that there won't be something in that that will be spoiled because of something that 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 we were supposed to see months earlier in Black Widow? You know, like so that's gonna be that's that's obviously also a, a, a very big you know monkey wrench in all of this. Is even if you're far along enough with something to maybe release some kind of content. If it doesn't align with how you planned on releasing all all of this content, it might still mess everything up. Like, who to say that 
I don't think it's going to be affected, but who's to say that maybe you can't put out Eternals before Black Widow? Like, what happens in that scenario? Like, what what if Eternals See, has, to come, out, has to come out before Black Widow, and that's the case, or, excuse me, has to come out after Black Widow, and if that's the case, I mean, that's really going to screw up this entire schedule. And that's what that's yeah that's that's the that's the the doomsday scenario that I that <laughs> presented exactly yeah um and I don't think that you could do something like that like I think Marvel has this, we talked about their calendar is so specific like Eternals has to come out after Black Widow how far after Black Widow is another discussion but Black Widow gets pushed back to October you know and then Eternals probably has to come out in January you know like that's I feel like that's just the way things are. Um, and I mean, look, Disney, Disney has shown similar to what you mentioned with ESPN. They've shown, uh, with even Disney plus that they, they, they're willing to, uh, I don't say make concessions, but they're willing to help in these time in these trying times, uh, with the people that are going to have to be quarantined or the people that are certainly sequestered in their own places. Uh, they pushed up frozen Two. you know, they put that on Disney plus already that, uh, three months before it was supposed to come out. Um, now, will they take? Would they take the extreme measure of just putting something like Black Widow on Disney Plus? That would be a very extreme measure. It would certainly shoot up uh, subscriptions. Uh, if you make a pay per view, still probably make a lot of money off of it. The question again, we talk about pirating things of that nature, um, and that's something about that's something that people have discussed even with uh, these film festivals. You know, South by Southwest is canceled. What happens to all the indie? indie filmmakers that are putting their films out yeah would netflix or, or somebody like they uh, pick it up or would they be also uh subject to mercy so i mean that and look this is everything the batman is also getting you know pushed back or at least the production of it does that mean that now that movie their date now gets affected you know yeah and what we don't think about too is the money that goes into this i mean they're saying that shang chi uh, every day they don't. They that production is halted. They losing three hundred thousand dollars a day. Yeah. I mean, that's a yeah. that's an astronomical number. I mean, to think that this is just kind of small potatoes. It ain't that big a deal. You know, obviously, you know, if you watch the news, they talked about the economic uh, impact that this is gonna have, and it being almost all negative. I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm very concerned about how this is all gonna shape out. I mean, if Disney is losing. It, I mean, if they lose a million dollars or three million dollars, you know, off of Shang Chi, how does that affect how that movie looks or how they promote it or what we end, the final product and what we see? Will they start skimming costs to start trying to get it out? Like you know, like these are all very these, these are all very yeah. I mean, these are all let's <laughs> hope we don't get that bad. But I'm like these are these are all very important questions. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we all you know look, we all understand that these corporations have lots and lots of money. But we also understand, having seen what's happened already with this crisis, having gone lived through the 2008-2009 you know, financial crisis, these corporations also can't seem to go a day or two days without their normal stream of income, without saying, we need billions of dollars of, of federal help. You know what I'm saying? So, like, right. the idea, like, and that's not to say that maybe that, um, that's not to say that they actually do need it, but that kind of speaks to their kind of mindset and, and, and how that, you know, that kind of corporate welfare is is usually badly badly requested um or at least greatly requested rather by these corporations in the times of need so if a corporation is losing three hundred thousand dollars a day on a movie I, I don't know what they do to kind of make up for that 
but it's going to be usually something very harsh. The, or, or they're the going to have to be bailed out. There's one or the other. I would say the positive thing. Which there isn't many positives about this. Where's the silver lining here? Yeah, I try to find the silver lining. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, I'm waiting to hear this one, Kendall. No, yeah, all eyes are on me now. Um, look, I feel like if you're talking about like the mindset, if we're just looking from a moral perspective specifically, like hopefully this gives them now time to really Kevin Feige. You know, you give him time on the whiteboard. You give him time. In his own room, sequestered in his own place, writing up ideas, making phone calls. Yeah, all this coronavirus stuff, he's going to be looking like that uh, Charlie Day meme. Yeah, I know, right? Be all going crazy. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. how do I make the internals <laughs> fit with Shang-Chi? They're both coming out in the same month. Like, right, he's yeah. going to be losing his mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, from, from a business perspective, obviously, this is a concern. But from a creative perspective... You know, now maybe this gives him more time to formulate what his ideas could potentially be for the X Men or for Fantastic Four, or if there's completely other. Yeah, he's now he's now working on twelve different. Yeah, he's not gonna be on the set of any movie. You get no man, you get Kevin Feige two months alone, sequestered in his house. He probably will have Avengers versus X Men versus right. versus he'll Inhumans have, versus Fantastic Four. Ready, <laughs> you know, give him two months of love, seven phases ready. Right. X Men so, Four would be written by then <laughs> exactly so that's why I, I think that this could be uh and i mean i'm not saying that that's gonna be the case you know but i'm just saying don't be surprised or i wouldn't be shocked if you know five years from now six years from now we look back and fight he's like yeah i mean a lot of these stories i'm right that are coming out i wrote during the coronavirus you know <laughs> quarantine yeah I'm, and obviously we're not saying that's the case but I'm just saying there's a lot of interesting things that can come out of this, a lot of interesting deals that can come out of this. You know, obviously we see in the NFL even, you know, deals are still being made over the phone. Uh, there's still news coming out. I expect there will still be news coming out on this industry. Uh, it'll certainly be slower. Um, it's, it's, it's a blow in terms of the fan perspective, again, of wanting to watch these things play out. But in terms of what the end result will be in the in the distant future, I think that could it could end up still being the same, or if not better. I mean, I think I still think there's a chance that it's not like you know a nuclear disastrous for Marvel, right? You know, I mean, if this if this does, if people do listen, I mean, that's a big if, it's a big asterisk. But if people do listen and they stay at home and we don't get everybody else sick, if we can mitigate this. You know, if it's say even say they postpone it, say come June, July, we're saying, okay, we can start opening up the shops again, we can start opening up the movie theaters again. Then, you know, maybe they can release it in I don't know, August, September. Then Eternals can come out, and then something else can come out. Listen to Shamari putting his faith in the American people. Start calling him Shamari Rogers. (laughs) Captain (laughs) Captain America himself. He's saying we could do it, America. Just listen to your doctors. I'm the opposite of uh, Gravedigger, <laughs> which we'll get to yo, later. Yo, Gravedigger, yo, he was saying some ish. <laughs> we're gonna get to him. <laughs> we're gonna get to him later. Uh, he was saying some ish, but um, yeah, obviously, um, you know, this is obviously a very serious situation. Um, hopefully, obviously, everyone stays safe. As I said at the top of the show, and um, Shamari is right. Definitely, we all got it. We're all in this together. You know what I'm saying? We all got to listen to the medical professionals and the federal. And state officials and everything you gotta do, washing your hands. 
social distancing, self-quarantine if you feel sick, if you live near uh, you know, elderly folk, maybe don't visit them for a while because they're obviously way more susceptible to, to, to this virus. We've all got to be safe. Um, one, not just because we want to hopefully get everything back to normal in terms of our entertainment lives. You know, we're talking about it. We'll be talking about it in the next coming days with sports and our sports talk show. But also in the personal lives and just making sure everybody you know, stays healthy. So, um, I, I, again, for, the, for on behalf of New Generation Media and New Generation Podcast Network, we hope and everyone gets through this uh, in, in, a, in a decent way. Let's uh, continue the show now. Let's talk about um, Spider-Man. So, Tom Holland... Did an interview. Um, it was with the Philippine Daily Inquirer, which, I, not to disrespect the Philippine Daily Inquirer, but I couldn't help but be like, man, if they get in Tom Holland access, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Well, I mean, look, and again, no disrespect to them, but I mean, we've seen with uh, The Rock. Sometimes they don't even. Sometimes they just Whoa, make their stuff up. Facts. <laughs> Yo, that <laughs> Rock story was not crazy. Just, yeah, the Rock and his his yeah, comments. It was a Daily Mail or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah Daily Mail just they just made up they just made up a quote from the Rock. They called him the Sno- Millennial Snowflake. Or <laughs> made up a whole like interview. Generation. Generation they made up a whole interview with the Rock. He didn't. He didn't. He, he didn't do an interview. <laughs> Yeah, yo, I, and yo, he that, that interview was so it was fake, number one, but it added me so tight, man, because y'all know how much I love The Rock. But I, all, all, any, any pent up, any pent up frustration and any pent up anger I had for The Rock that I've never spoken about because I still love The Rock was just all let out in social media for me. I was tweeting crazy about The Rock in ways that was probably very foolish, considering he could probably break me in half by just looking at me. Um, so yes, that is fair. But I mean, uh, he, Tom Holland's not come out and denied that he's anything he said is true. It's not like he said anything crazy. Um, like that rock interview where he was like totally bashing millennials, which again did not happen. But, um, but Tom Holland speaking with the, uh, Philippine Inquirer, uh, said a lot about this upcoming Spider-Man movie. He's been talking a lot about it. We all know he tends to be kind of loose lips when it comes to these projects. So I think always has Marvel and Sony a little bit on edge when he goes on press runs because, he can sometimes give up the tea in a way that they're not really expecting or hoping for. In this interview, he gave us some more details. Nothing super crazy. He did say that um, the next installment of his MCU slash Sony Spider-Man franchise will indeed include Zendaya once again. So she'll be back for the third installment in this franchise. We all saw the budding romance that was happening with Peter and MJ, which was Zendaya's character. So we'll get to see that play out at least for one more movie. He also said uh, uh, he also added to the kind of excitement that he's been spewing about this movie. He said a couple weeks ago that, that that he was really excited where this was going. And in this interview, he said the story is, quote, absolutely insane. And Holland, you know, he's a younger guy. So I think that he tends to speak in a little bit more hyperbole than probably these other actors when they're on these press runs. But I, I have kept note of how excited Holland has been about this third movie. Perhaps it, it explains why he was so adamant in working behind the scenes to try to get Sony and Marvel back to the table because maybe he knew what was afoot. But I'm going to ask you guys, now that this is the you know second or third proclamation of his excitement, what would this film have to accomplish for it to live up to the hype that he is generating for this film? I'll give this to Kendall first. What would they have to accomplish? Um... Well, look, they first of all, they dropped a huge bomb at the end of the second one. So it's like, first, they would certainly have to make that work. 
if it's gonna be a great movie, like that, whatever that 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 reveal of Peter Parker being Spider Man, it's gotta work. It can't be oh that didn't work at all. That wasn't that good. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so first of all, that's gotta that's gotta work, and that's not gonna be an easy thing to navigate. It was really cool. It was a great post credit scene, but will it will it be effective? Will it will it use it effectively? The third one remains to be seen. Um, and honestly, like the villain is obviously also going to be a very very key factor because. You know, we've seen a lot of Spider-Man villains. There are a lot of Spider-Man villains. He has one of the deepest rogue galleries in all comic books. Uh, arguably second behind Batman. And I don't know if I want to say we need to see somebody new. But they just have to... It, I, for it to be that great, like I would hope that this is an all-time great Spider-Man villain. I don't know what that means. I just know that hopefully he could top Mysterio and... Vulture, which is not not a that's, a that's a pretty high bar, um, but I I just thought about this. I was actually watching last night, um, the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon, uh, believe it or not, <laughs> and they you know then an episode with Rhino, and I'm like we I mean besides that that pathetic <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man two Easter egg like we haven't had Rhino in a, in a Spider-Man movie. Um, you know, and I'm like, you know, obviously Vulture, I'm not Vulture, uh, Craven, and, you know, Chameleon, and I mean, the list goes on and on, and villains that we haven't really seen in a Spider-Man movie, so, uh, I don't know. I would say, if he's talking about insane, the only, the only team I would think of, the only villain I would think of is the Sinister Six, but that's just me. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard to... I feel like I agree with you, EJ, when you say he kind of tends to use hyperbole, hyperbolic language a lot. So I don't 100% believe him when he says it's insane, like he's going to blow our minds. I mean... I mean, would, you, would the question, though, be did... I mean, would you say the last movie blew your mind? No, I wouldn't say it blew my mind. I thought it was a very good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree. But no, it didn't blow my mind. So I'd be... So this movie would have to top that as well as Homecoming because Homecoming also didn't blow my mind. Um, and I feel like it would have to have, um, I think just the way the MCU has been built, I feel like it would have to have more heroes in it on some level. Um, I mean, it doesn't have to be ultimate Spider-Man necessarily, right, right. Uh, but it has to have more heroes in it and it has, and, um, it has to have a staple Spider-Man villain like Green Goblin or um, I think something like a Sinister Six, like Kendall was saying, um, would be something that uh, that that would that would be amazing. That would be something where I'll be like, OK, this uh, is something. That's another nice. thing where like that has to be done well. Like, yeah, I can't, I'm not just going to accept well. the Sinister Six and be like, oh, it's automatically them all in. Or, or like is similar how they did uh, Doc Ock in, in the Spider-Man PS4 game. Right. You know, though, I know Doc Ock was already done. I don't know if they want to do him again. But something like that would be something where I would be like, wow, this is really well done. And, and the interesting thing about someone like Doc Ock is um, 
if they did go with him, he would be the first rehash that this Spider-Man franchise has done. Because even in uh, Feige's comments about doing Spider-Man, one of the things that he keeps saying that they've been adamant about is bringing something new, something fresh, something that people haven't seen before. And for the most part, he's kept his word. He kept his word with Vulture. And a lot of people thought that that was not going to ever work on the base screen, even though he is a one of the Spider-Man's oldest villains, maybe the oldest, um, and and then someone like Mysterio, another character that a lot of people did not think could work on the big screen, and it did work. So when you right, say right. so, when you know when when Tom says something absolutely insane, the first thing I think is well, if I'm align it with something that Kevin Feige has said about what he he envisions these movies being it's got to be something i haven't seen before so as much as i would love to see the osbournes uh, introduce we've seen them before uh we've seen them twice uh now uh as much as i would love to see <laughs> doc ock um we've seen doc ock before so for me i start to think okay what haven't we seen before and what have they already established and i think we've all kind of come to a similar conclusion that to me absolutely insane to me read cena sinister six um, when I see Sony promotion where you're already you're already uh, cross-referencing multiple villains in other movies, with the thing you had with Jared Leto and Michael Keaton in that Morbius trailer, that's already two right there. The guy who plays Scorpion was already started talking more about what he may be doing a couple weeks ago. We didn't cover it on the <laughs> show. He started chirping about he, him being involved in something very soon. Um, we know... Three. We already know... We have uh, how itching Spider-Man, excuse me, um, Sony is to have uh, Venom and Spider-Man cross paths at some point. We know Carnage is being introduced in the next Venom movie. Interesting. So that's five right there. I just rattled off five Spider-Man villains that we've seen. And we know that uh, there's conversations that Gyllenhaal might come back. Right, and Gyllenhaal is still around. It could be still around. We've heard those conversations very recently that he may not have died at all. So and they could introduce. Someone in the next one, a sixth person, right? Like it could be someone we haven't seen yet. So I mean, the numbers are there if they want to go this route. You know, now to me, like in that scenario, if I if they just use everyone I just rattled off, I don't know if it, it would make sense to have Spider Man go up against Venom and Carnage at the same time on his first. That's run. What, yeah, that's why. Yeah, I don't think Carnage would be in it personally, but if you have to get the sixth, then maybe. Right, yeah. But, I mean, the thing is, the Carnage and Venom chemistry, though, is, is really great. So, seeing them have to work together for someone they both dislike, it never right. goes well for both of them. I mean, they've, it's happened multiple times, and they always blow yeah. it. Like, the relationship usually lasts a very short amount of time. To, then it doesn't work, and then Venom's like, oh, man, I guess I gotta just team up with Spider-Man, because this guy is crazy. Like, so, but I don't know if I want to see that dynamic with, like, four other people. I think I'd prefer right. to see that with just him and Cletus. Dealing with Spider-Man, I don't know if I want to see uh, uh, Cassie. Rather, um, I don't know if I want to see Cassie and Brock. You know, having to also share time with you know all these other characters and try having that all those dynamics kind of work together. But again, Sony may have a certain mindset, and Feige may feel like he has a way to make it work. That maybe they do go that go that route. I do think that Kendall made a great point, though. I do think that for any of this to, I think for I, I think that. I, I think it's a fair thing to say that this Spider-Man movie completely hedges on whether or not they are able to deliver on that post-credit scene. I would argue. I, I, I don't know if, like, 
if if they botched that, I don't know if they could, this next movie could be satisfactory. Like, I yeah. guess in a perfect world, I guess there is a scenario where maybe it is. But, I mean, that's such a massive, massive, bold storytelling decision that, I mean, I think everyone should applaud them for. Because, you know, we always talk about give us something bold, give us something interesting, give us something new. And they went all for it. Not to say that it hasn't been done before. It has been done before in comic books, not in, you know, movies. And for the most part, it's usually taboo for the whole city in the world to know who Spider-Man may potentially be. But um, but it can't be a Mandarin, Mandarin situation. It can't be we're gonna pull out the rug from underneath <laughs> you and give you something right. kind of stupid. Um, there's got to be or even uh, I mean I've talked you talk about post credit scenes. Mm-hmm. I I've talked to Shamar multiple times this week about yeah. you know multiple, the, multiple multiple times. Yeah, I've talked to him about look X Men Days of Future Past. The post credit scene is an all time great. You get Young and Sabanor, aka Apocalypse, after what it was a great. David Future Fast movie, yep. and I'm in the theater losing my mind, literally losing my mind, thinking, oh, man, the next one's going to be even better. And they fumble it in the yeah. third one. They make Apocalypse an all-time bad superhero movie villain. So, and the movie's not terrible, but he's just a terrible villain, which makes the movie very, very mediocre. So, it's not impossible that a great post-credit scene could be upended by a terrible story in that in what that movie was teasing. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and, and that's and and you know and that was even a more of a, of a kind of a fatal flaw because you know the whole next movie the, I mean he's the villain in the next movie so he was very much gonna be front and center and I would think that what they did with with what they did was gonna uh, it, it force themselves to be this next thing to be front and center as well you know it would it would force that decision to make Spider Man's identity public. That would have to be a big part in the next movie. I don't think that's something that can be retconned before. I don't think it should be. It's got to be something that's dealt with. You've got to see some major consequences. And if they fail at that, I think that it's going to be rough, rough sailing. I mean, maybe you could argue that if the action was so great and they gave us other great moments, maybe it wouldn't matter as much. And I, maybe, I don't know. But I'm not going to bet that it would. I would bet that if they somehow fumbled that, it would be a massive blow to whatever hype this movie is going to build, um, which I think will be pretty large. But, I, I, you know, it's funny that when I asked you guys that if this, if either the first two movies blew your mind, and both of you guys said no. And I, I, I think that that was a fair answer. And that's crazy because I think we both really, really, all, all three of us, really enjoyed that those movies. Um, I would argue the post-credits scene for the last movies, both of them, did blow my mind. But I don't know if the movie, per se, blew my mind. Um... I think they. I think that like the honeymoon period is a little bit off on the Holland Spider Mans, especially with the whole fiasco we had with this Sony Disney thing. I think they need a grand slam here to close out this trilogy. Like I, I don't know. I think there's a lot more pressure on this movie than maybe we realize. I think that people were just so happy that Marvel Sony Spider Man was back home with Marvel. I'm not saying that anyone graded them on a curve. Because again, I think that a lot of people like these movies and they were all good. But I don't think anyone is saying that these are, this is my favorite, you know, movie. Like, or this is my favorite superhero movie, rather. Like, like no one makes that case for the movie. They're, they're very good. There's nothing wrong with them. But they don't, I don't know if they've reached that, like, that classic level. You know what I'm saying? And you, I, I only have this perspective based off of being away from those movies for a long period of time now. And 
I mean, I, I can't say that about the, the Raimi Spider-Mans 1 and 2. Those are classics, without a doubt, without a, even thinking. So, I can't say that about far um, about in, uh, Into the Spider-Verse. That was a new movie, and I, in like, classic, easy, undisputed. I, I wonder where, at the end of the day, if this movie ends up, they just end up doing another very, very good movie, where this Spider-Man trilogy will end up kind of sitting amongst the great superhero movies. You, I wonder if it ended up being more forgettable than we would have ever expected with it being in the MCU. Do you guys think this movie should establish Spider-Man as a um, as not just like a part-time Avenger, but a literal Avenger, as in like the Avengers comics? Spider-Man like right, potentially like, leaders, like potentially. yeah, basically like a sort of kind of leader that would be another thing that would be really, really cool. That would be very different. Something where I would be like, wow, I, I would never thought I would be seeing this on screen anytime soon. And that could be interesting. Because they've talked about him being the next Iron Man. And could they maybe position him like that more, even more so in this next movie? Uh, one thing that I find interesting is that uh, they've already said that at the new Disneyland uh, Avengers campus yep. uh, park that they're going to have, that Tom Holland is going to be the voice of Spider-Man yeah. for yeah. that theme park. Oh, wow. That was the problem. So, uh, so, so that makes you think that this is not going to be the last Spider-Man movie we get. Oh yeah, or at least I, the last Tom Holland appearance. I want and I want to say I want to say and maybe you know it got lost in the shuffle, but I want to say Holland had also because again he's been talking a lot. I want to say he referenced other MCU appearances that he was excited about. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think it, I don't think I shot. made that up, like. I'm pretty sure recently, it may have been a little bit right after we did our last show, or maybe the day we did our show, maybe it didn't fit into the rundown. But I want to say that, you know, he talked about he was excited for, 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 for other MCU appearances he would have in the future beyond Spider-Man. And it seemed like, I mean, that thing got really bad during the summer, but it seems like both sides are just really, you know, they've been propped up, like, that this is, they feel like a, the future is bright with them continuing to work together, which I, I don't I don't know how that's possible, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, unless there is maybe a framework where they, they've come together and they realize, yo, this is a framework that could work long-term, and maybe they realize the previous deal was very tenuous to the point where we got to where we were this 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 uh, this summer, this past summer. But, it, yeah, when I saw that Holland was the voice of Spider-Man for the you know the, the Disney Disneyland attraction or the Disney World attraction, I'm like... That's just stunned me because I'm just like, I mean, why would they risk that considering what Sony pulled or whoever you think pulled whatever, whatever side you're on that whole debacle. But based on what happened, why would they even want to risk having him there? Like what would happen if like Sony pulled him? Would they tell him you got to adjust your theme park so that he don't appear? Like I don't know how that would even work. Like so, so maybe there is some kind of deal in place or at least a framework for a deal in place that goes well beyond just this next movie and one MCU appearance that we know about that's supposed to be signed and sealed. Maybe they, there is something that's already put together for a, a more foreseeable future. Because, Kendall, when you say, can he be the next Iron Man, I just thought that that idea was kind of just going to be thrown out the window after what happened. It just seems too risky. Marvel took a massive risk with what they did with this last movie. Um, really what they've done with both movies, having them so involved with the MCU, but especially what they did with connecting you know, um, the scrolls to him, connecting you know obviously what they did with the daily bugle stuff like it just seemed like they couldn't move on without him 
and the fact that Sony could just one day just be petty enough to decide we don't want him. Or if you're on the other side, Disney could be so greedy enough at one day that, that Sony feels like it can no longer continue its agreement. It just seems like a, a weird uh seems like a weird position for both sides to be in. Particularly yeah, Marvel. It's a bad bit. Yeah, particularly Marvel to kind of lean on that as a thing that they could be they could reliably depend on. Yeah. Um that that's that's something that you have to consider, but I don't know. I just feel like the way things have gone, I, I think Disney understands. I think Sony may understand as well that they need each other more than uh, more than they kind of realize. Um, one one thing I thought was interesting. If we're talking about the future of Spider Man. Is what who do we see Spider Man truly interacting with going forward? Like. No more, no more. Obviously, Tony Stark. That was kind of his main connection to the MCU. Fantastic Are they going to kind of isolate? Four. That's that's where I was going to go. Yeah, that's the, you know, that's they're the going to isolate him, or do you move him to someone else? EJ mentions the Fantastic Four. My theory has always been that I think they should make Johnny Storm, Johnny Storm, yeah, like Tom Holland's age, whoever they get cast. Yeah, I agree. Whether or not they go to the same school, that could be up to debate. He could be a new student potentially at, at his school, but they should be the same age. And I'll say this: if Tom, if if they, if Johnny Storm is in Spider Man Three, that would be absolutely yeah, that's insane. Possible. Like if that it, would be insane. Yeah, I, that would that rise would to the level of the height that Holland is suggesting. It and you know we I've made the case that I've always felt that Black Panther made the most sense as the avenue to introduce Fantastic Four. Um, but Spider-Man also has made sense because of uh, Peter and Johnny's relationship that spans now, so many years. Um, now, imagine if... Because we've talked about how do they introduce Fantastic Four. Some people said make it a period piece, have them from the 60s or the 40s, and have them... Uh, we've seen that before. <laughs> I don't even know. Oh, it's been so long. But people have talked about, you know... Black Panther, like you mentioned, Spider-Man, put them in Captain Marvel, every movie, basically. What if Marvel decides, or if some people said just introduce them in their own movie, what if Marvel decides, I'm going to introduce, Feige decides, I'm going to introduce each member of the Fantastic Four in a different Marvel movie? Would that not blow your mind? If you put Doctor Doom in Black Panther, you put Johnny Storm in Spider-Man, maybe you put Reed Richards in... You know, Doctor Strange or or Captain Marvel. Maybe put Ben Grimm in another movie. Sue Storm, like Man, Sue Storm, maybe with Captain Marvel. Maybe so. So, so my issue with that is that's a very long tease. I mean, unless they're unless this all can. I mean, I know Marvel comes out a lot of movies. Unless it's like consecutively, like all these movie, all the movies in 2022 have a member of the Fantastic Four in it. Right. right and then Fantastic right. Four comes out in 2023. Then I'm like, okay. I mean, that's not too bad. I mean, all the movies that I mentioned are, are, in the, are on the calendar. Right? <laughs> not, I'm not talking about X Men Three. But if, I mean, if he's spreading it out like between two, months, three, four months, years, yeah. at that point, I'm like, okay, this movie, this Fantastic right. Four movie, needs to be Avengers level. And yes, also, at that point. and also, I guess my trepidation with going forward with that also would be, I think the strength of the Fantastic Four are in their numbers. Like, I think Johnny and Spider Man are a special connection and a special bond that yes i want to see on the big screen besides johnny hanging out with peter 
I don't know if I care for any of these other characters hanging out with anyone other than yeah. themselves. Invis- invisible woman, you just throw Invisible Woman in Captain Marvel. Yeah, like, like I don't like right. for, for what? Like I'm throwing I'm throwing Reed Richards to talk with like you know Stephen Strange. Like okay, you know, for what? I, I'd rather have well, I, I'd rather have Reed Richards hanging out with Ben Grimm. <laughs> no, I'd rather have Sue right, right, right. hanging out with Reed Richards. Like like now I I think about like story perspective. Like I mean, what if there is an Illuminati aspect to whatchamacallit, or I've seen heard some people theorize maybe Sue and uh, Reed will end up being S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, or even S.W.O.R.D. agents, I've seen or heard, you know, our dad actually mentioned the S.W.O.R.D. agents thing, you know, as a possibility, you know, like, what if Sue's a S.W.O.R.D. agent, and maybe they're all S.W.O.R.D. agents in there, and Captain Marvel too, you know, like, uh, or at least maybe Reed and, and uh, whatchamacallit are, Sue's, uh, maybe Ben, I don't, know. I don't know how that would work. But, how, so I, are, we, are we introducing them before they have powers? Like, how is like this is a lot of questions I would have. There, there, there are a lot work? of questions as well. I, I mean, I agree, but um, I guess my thing is like my issue with it would be if we're talking about just casting because I think story wise I think it could work, but if we're talking about casting each character, like you'd have to cast these actors to, and actresses to make sense with each other. Like, I don't, I'm not casting Johnny Storm because he has good chemistry with Tom Holland. I'm casting Johnny Storm because he has good, good good chemistry with whoever's playing Reed Richards and whoever's playing Sue Storm and Ben Grimm. And so, like, if we're talking about years in advance, like, this isn't, like, some some random super team that you're just putting together. Like, this is a family, you know? (laughs) Like, the Avengers are the random super team. Right. You know, they're they're no different than uh, the Miami Heat in 2011. (laughs) You know? Right. A bunch of random superstars put put together. Um... This has to be a little more cohesive, so that would be my issue with that. Um, but I don't know the way we, the way I'm kind of putting the puzzle pieces together. I, I, you know, I think that that is certainly a possibility. And, you know, and because the, we've yeah. talked about all these movies potentially having the Fantastic Four. And the last thing I want to say on this before we move on is you. They also you have to have the we're talking about. Uh, I just mentioned the kind of uncertain future of Tom Holland Spider Man within the MCU. You have to make the case make the choice if you're Marvel, are you going to put other Marvel properties in uh, very important Marvel properties like a Johnny Storm that's going to be brand new into a Sony movie? Like, because again, Sony made it very clear to us during the summer. These are Sony movies still. Like, that's uh, that's very, very, that's capital. That's money you're putting in Sony's pocket when you do that kind of thing. And, and, and messing up that continuity for whatever you want to do with those characters, which you know won't have, won't be affected by Sony in any way, could be risky. You know, now that's that's that goes beyond that's 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 staying more with Spider Man. Obviously, if you put him in a Captain Marvel or Doctor Strange or Black Panther, that you don't have to worry about that. But if you're talking about putting Johnny Storm in Spider Man, that's going to be something that uh, we'd have to consider. Um, I want to move on now and talk about uh, a, a very very popular showrunner on this podcast at least you know for for the people on this podcast could soon or at least is hinting at wanting to take a crack at doing some marvel stuff so damon lindelof a showrunner for the watchman says he'd be uh, interested and wanting to get involved in a marvel studios project he said quote i think that doing something in the marvel universe anywhere in the marvel universe would be really potentially exciting for me especially as they start to get a little bit more experimental. Um, he said, some of the things that I've seen uh, for WandaVision, for example, just feel like, okay, now we're getting somewhere. 
particularly in a television space. So I'll give this one to Sham. Kendall, I mean, should we Sham? Uh, would you like for Lindelof to get a crack at a Marvel project? And if so, I'm assuming that would be yes because of how much you love Damon. But if so, uh, do you have any ideas of where you think a good fit would be? Um, so I think he would be, I mean, honestly, with the way he wrote Watchmen, I think he could do any, any Marvel <laughs> character he did so well. I mean, it's, um, it, I mean, it is an interesting, I don't know if I, I mean, it's, it's interesting, Sham, because remember, Watchmen is so grounded in reality and so it dark. Is grounded. And it's, it's, while there are superheroes involved, I mean, it's so unlike anything Marvel does. Like, mm-hmm. like, do you think what you saw from Watchmen translates in any way to what we what what he could do for marvel uh i think it does okay. i mean i think that for a few reasons so i think his i think the um uh the story and the writing and now it's not all him to be fair you know to the writers room that he had set up to the other people directors and people that he had worked with they did a lot of work as well so it wasn't all him but um, you know, the writing, the, the, I know Marvel has a particular style of humor. I thought the humor in Watchmen was very smart. I thought it was very, um, I, I just I feel like that, that humor is something that could very much fit in, in the Marvel universe. I think the action, um, in Watchmen was on point and was something that I think could translate to really any Marvel movie, especially with the more grounded characters, like say a Falcon and Winter Soldier or something along those lines. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that he could do very well in Marvel. I mean, just in terms of just going based on what he did in Watchmen, I think something more grounded may be up his alley, though I don't think anything, I don't think any of the more mystical or, or science, science fiction-y aspects of the MCU are outside of his reach, so to speak. Um, but, uh, just going based on what I saw in Watchmen, I think he'd do spectacularly with something like a Falcon Winter Soldier, a um, uh, you know maybe a Shang Chi, something that's le- a little a little less supernatural, uh, or you know sci fi going into space, um, you know. Uh, but even so, I mean, I say give him it, you know, give him anything really. Fantastic Four, X Men, you know, <laughs> you know, just whatever you want to do, like. Yeah, I, I'm very much on board. I would much rather have him do Watchmen than anything Marvel related, of course, um, or even DC related, honestly, because I know Watchmen is very much in tune with the DC universe. But um, you know, I, I think I think whatever he chooses to do, I think he's gonna knock it out of the park if he ends, if he ended up doing anything. Well, you kind of yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I want Damian Lindelof doing anything Marvel. Um, because I don't think he would do a sequel for it. Ah, burn. <laughs> no. Um, womp, womp, womp. <laughs> so yeah, obviously you guys know. Well, I mean, maybe not obviously, but if you don't know, you know, last time we talked about Damon Lindelof, I, I thought he was, uh, you know, his 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 campaign to not do a Watchmen sequel, Watchmen season two, was a cash grab. It was a, it was uh, negotiating in the media. <laughs> negotiating his contract in the media. My positions don't necessarily change. Um, and this could also be a part of it. <laughs> you know, like, oh, maybe I'll just do a Marvel movie, HBO. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, no, yeah, I think he's I think he's sincere. I think he wants to do these kinds of things. And um, 
I, I guess the question would be like you said, uh, where would be the best fit for Damon Lindelof? Well, first of all, do we think that he's earned a Marvel movie? Because that's something we have to consider as well. You know, Marvel movies and an HBO miniseries are two different things. And mm-hmm. you know, has he maybe earned a Disney Plus series? Certainly, I would say so. But uh, a feature-length movie uh, is something we also have to uh, to question. Um, I'm not saying he. I'm not questioning his filmmaking ability. Certainly better than me. Knows more about making movies than I have. Uh, he's forgotten more about making movies than I <laughs> than I know. But uh, it, it is it is something that I'm sure Marvel would have to consider. Um, but in terms of the best fit, in terms of properties, um, I mean, like Shamari said, uh, some of the sci-fi stuff could make sense. Uh, if there's a period piece involved, he may be able to, 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 you know, finagle that. If we talk about Fantastic Four, if that's something that's done in the '60s or the '40s or whenever they want to do that, you know, that that could certainly be a good fit for Damon and all that. I don't know. I think again, I would lean more towards television and Disney Plus than I would the movies, but that's just me. Yeah, I mean, to me, I I think that he's absolutely a much better fit for. A, a television product, and in fact, I think I feel like that's kind of what he alluded to, because he, you know, he said some of the things uh, that I've seen for WandaVision, for example, just felt like okay, now we're getting somewhere, particularly in a television space. So in my mind, that makes me think that maybe he was never interested in doing a Marvel Studios movie because he just thought that that wouldn't have fitted him. But he's seeing what they're doing on Disney Plus, and he's thinking, oh, this is way more my speed. And I would agree with that because I would argue that his greatest contributions so far have all been in television. He has done written uh, movie scripts. He has produced movies. He, you know, he helped produce uh, Star Trek uh, 1 and Star Trek Into the Darkness. He's also co-produced Cowboys and Aliens and Prometheus. But he's never directed, uh, I think, a, a major uh, big movie. Um, we all know what he's done, obviously, with The Leftovers and with Watchmen and with Lost. Those uh, properties, obviously, he's had way more of an impact in our society and our, you know, culture, the pop culture. Uh, he's had way more pop culture in- impact with those projects. Um, to me, I think a Damon Lindelof Daredevil series would be nuts. I think that if if you told me I can get him to do something tomorrow, I would have him working on giving me the best six, seven. If, they, if Marvel Studios shows are six episodes, man, give me six, seven really great Daredevil episodes. I think that he would knock it out of the park. That's no disrespect to Eric Olsen, who um, just just absolutely killed it in season three of Daredevil. One of my favorite seasons of any television show I've ever watched. I don't want to minimize, obviously, his contributions to the Daredevil character and to the Marvel lore with that season. But I think that, to me, that that property makes the most sense for Lindelof. From a standpoint of, especially, I thought Dare the Daredevil show, and, and particularly in that season, Olsen did such a great job of creating the conspiracy of how many tentacles, uh, you know, Fisk had within the government and how he's able to manipulate people. And to me, like, Lindelof has shown that capability in almost every show he's done to create the conspiracy, to create these characters that have this massive ability to uh, manipulate people. Like, that's right up his alley. And um, 
that would be the property if I had to say one that I would definitely, definitely want to see him take a crack at. Um, I'm not sure. I can't really think of a movie that I would say that he should do. Because, again, I, I, I haven't really seen enough, quite frankly, to think that, you know, if he did a movie, it'd be absolutely great. I, I don't know. I think that the, he's produced some really good ones. So that gives me hope. But I don't want to jump too far off the ledge and say, oh, give him a Marvel movie. I mean, I would love to see what it looked like. Like, I think he he would deserve a shot. But I couldn't say just guarantee, oh, this is going to be crazy. Like, I, I know it's going to be awesome. I just don't know. I've never seen him direct uh, a, a major movie. Now, would I be comfortable with him uh, writing a screenplay for a Marvel movie? Absolutely. That's something totally different. I think that he definitely, he's already shown that he can write very good uh, screenplays. But in terms of doing a full-length movie, I'm not sure. And I think that's why, in that quote where he mentions WandaVision, and you know, him being interested in, in maybe Marvel's ventures into television, I think that we've all seen how wacky WandaVision looks. And Lindelof has shown a propensity and an interest in the wacky. I think for him, that's also what makes this uh, potentially a very exciting pro- pro- a project for him if you live to get a Marvel show is because... WandaVision is going to be unlike anything Marvel's ever done. And if Marvel is truly opening up the avenues to do things outside the box, things that they haven't done with other properties, people like to say that Marvel plays it safe. It doesn't seem like WandaVision is going to be safe at all. If that's true, Damon Lindelof isn't safe at all. He's not going to be someone who's going to paint within the lines in terms of just making a cookie cutter movie or show, which is what people have criticized Marvel for. That is also where I potentially see where he could have some more interest. Yeah, yeah, I, I certainly feel like um, Daredevil certainly seems intriguing. Uh, I still don't know how I feel about seeing them tackle Daredevil in the MCU. Um, not saying I don't want to see Charlie Cox. Uh, I just I don't say, know. You don't want to see yeah, I'm saying Cox so, so you just don't want to see Daredevil again? I'm confused. I guess I just don't know if I need to. I just don't know if I need to see a Daredevil Disney Plus series right away. Um, if you want to, might be might be a long neck. Yeah, it probably. Yeah, you're you're uh, on an island of one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like personally. I'd almost rather see Daredevil transition to the movies, you know, or Punisher transition to the movie at this point. But um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Daredevil though is an interesting fit with Lindelof. You know, I think Moon Knight would have been an interesting fit as well. I think so, um, too. You know, I, there, are, there are certainly some characters out there. I mean, could he do Ghostwriter? You know, like, could that be interesting? The way he does uh, the way he does the storytelling. Um, I, I, I wonder, uh, like, what what is his availability in terms of, I mean, we assume he's not doing Watchmen anymore. Uh, and you wonder if this is why. That's also something we have to think about is, does he want to leave himself open? Maybe he doesn't want to do Watchmen while he maybe want to yeah, do, I mean, wants to tackle when someone, when usually you hear, like, usually when you hear this kind of interest, usually it's like, oh, sources close to director or whatever says they're interested in this. It's rare you hear from the horse's mouth, so to speak. I'd love to do this. <laughs> like, this is very rare. Like, like, and I don't know if, like, he could have been asked a question. But to me, the fact that he's even floating it out there tells me that this is he badly, badly wants to get in the Marvel game. And I think he probably feels like what he did with Watchmen should have had enough eyeballs and attention to where he can he could get the money he wants and the freedom he wants to do something with Marvel. 
So, and it also tells me maybe they have already been discussions. Like, it's not very, it's, usually when these guys talk about projects and they get asked questions, they usually hedge their bets. Like, oh, that would be cool. Like, you know, like, I mean, he got very specific in, like, his answers about, yeah, I like it because they're doing stuff like WandaVision and they're doing television. Like, I feel like this is more my speed. Like, him going that far and making those analogies, like, tells me that this is something he's thought a lot about. Um, but that's to say also, you know, while I may pigeonhole him to something being a certain way because of what I saw from him in Watchmen and what I know of what he's done on Lost, who's to say that he doesn't want to do Silver Surfer? Like, who's to say he doesn't want to do something completely, like, outside of what maybe we're used to him doing? Like, you know, who knows? You know what I'm saying? Like, he could end up wanting to do something really dramatic and maybe something that wouldn't necessarily be in line with uh, what we've seen from him in the past. But I, I certainly think that mm-hmm. if it's television, I would absolutely want to give him a shot at it. You know, movies, I would I would give him a shot. I don't, I, I can't say for sure that I know it would be great, but if he wants to do any kind of television show for Marvel, I think that Marvel should be getting him on the phone ASAP, in my opinion. I think that, that would be his, his most great. recent movie, very recent, it just came out, uh, The Hunt. He was a writer for that. Not doing so well. Uh, very, very mixed reviews. Uh, it apparently it's a little political, so you know you take that with a grain of salt when you talk about the reviews. Anything political at this point is going to be mixed. <laughs> it's just the way things are. So uh, I think that would a little bit. The reviews I've seen have been positive. Just yeah. a few that I've seen. Right. People, people I watch. Yeah, I mean it's fifty three on Rotten Tomato, so that's almost down the middle in terms of right. you know whether or not people like it or not. But it's also early just came out so could they go up could they go down um we'll see but uh i imagine that's where all these comments are actually coming from it's probably him doing press for that so probably yeah, yeah it, it was it was in fact what he was doing he was doing press for it um and, and to be clear he co he wrote that script he didn't direct it but that is the movie yes. that he was last involved in um but uh let's uh let's let's move on to, to our last story today before we talk about black lightning here Modoc, according to Daniel Rickman, could soon be making an appearance in the MCU. There's interest to uh, to bring the uh, the f- big-headed flying chair with the high level of intellect and technical proficiency to the MCU. DeVoe? <laughs> no, not not uh, not DeVoe. But we're talking about Modoc here. Um, I didn't even think about the the. the Thing. I didn't realize it. they just ripped off Modoc with Flash. It took me all this time to realize that. Is that true? Like Probably. Is the thinker with Professor X. I'd almost argue though, is the thinker a a ripoff of Modoc to begin with? The thinker looks as much as he did in I don't think he looks like that in the comics. He's not special like, though. I, I think they I think they made him into Modoc more than he yeah. actually <laughs> is in the comics, which is interesting. Maybe that was what they were going for. But it just did not work. I don't know. I gotta take a. I got. Yeah, I gotta look into that because now you get. I didn't realize the Modoc vibes until you just pointed it out. Yeah, we did not make a Modoc joke at all. No, the, the run of we probably were so disgusted. Honestly, we couldn't make any jokes because we were just so disgusted by the, the the content that Flash was giving us at that point in time. It, but, um, yeah, somebody I, I see all these jokes on Twitter. Some guy I was like uh, catching up on the Flash. It's like they think <laughs> the thinker is Modoc. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, so the thinker diet brainiac or Modoc. Hashtag the Flash. Yeah. Not gonna lie, when I first saw the thinker on the show, I thought of Modoc from Marvel. LOL. 
Yeah, so we're not the first ones that came up with this joke. Uh, yeah, apparently, it's been going on for a while. So hopefully, Marvel uh, has learned from all the bad footsteps. I did not catch it EJ, until MC EJ made that uh, those analogies. Right, the description I mean, of Modok. I mean, it's, like it's all it's all I mean, true though. That's who that is who Modok is, and that leads it me kind to, of highlights how ridiculous Modok kind of is. <laughs> right, it's a little scary, is it not? Well, let's talk about that then. So, we Modok <laughs> is a completely absurd <laughs> character. Like he's a, it's absurd. We all love him because, like, if you just love Marvel, you love Modok. I mean, yes, he's absurd, but like, that's kind of what makes him great. Uh, but like, does he fit in twenty in the in the in the twenty first century? In the movies, they kind of put it out there, and the shows they're going to be putting out there. Like, does he make sense as a villain? Like, is this something we they should be doing? And if they do do him and it ends up being something very reimagined to look more contemporary, could that even work still? Would it still be Modoc? What are you guys' thoughts on this? I 100% want to see Modoc in the MCU. I've wanted to see Modoc in the MCU for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought Iron Man 3 would have been the spot. They wanted to see Aldrich Killian. And look, that, they, that was their own prerogative. I don't think it worked very much. Uh, but. For the most part, um, I think that there are some. Uh, I, I think there are ways you can introduce Modok. Obviously, we've already seen Aim. We've already seen Aim in the uh, MCU, it mostly connected to Iron Man. So you wonder, obviously, no more Iron Man. Where does Modok fit? Uh, now, obviously, if you do an Iron Heart, that would continue the Iron Man storyline. If you do Iron Lad or some some something along those those lines, that would also continue the Iron Man storyline. So like, yeah, there are ways you can continue Iron Man with, uh, and make Modok the villain. So that's one way you could do it. Um, I think about if you do Young Avengers with Iron Lad or without him or whatever, however you do that, um, could Modok be and Aim be the villain of that? I think absolutely as well. Uh, and then also what's the probably the closest property to Iron Man right now. In the MCU, uh, I would say it's Ant-Man. In terms of the villains, it's a tech-based character with mm-hmm. mostly tech-based villains. Uh, it's not a far it's not a far leap to have uh, Modok and Aim being being the villain of an of an Ant-Man three movie, and it would certainly give Ant-Man their his biggest threat, uh, his biggest uh, or his villain essentially with the most cachet. Um, Peyton Reed is, is in the past has already mentioned Modoc being a villain that he's interested in. So he's had some comments about Modoc. So uh, I would say that's the place that most logically makes sense. And then lastly, you know, Fantastic Four. Obviously, they have their own Rose Gallery of villains that we would like to see. Super Scroll, Doctor Doom, Mole, uh, what's his name? Mole Man, Mole King, whatever his name is. Like, there are, <laughs> there are plenty of... The stories under- you can do, yeah, the the underminer, right? Same, it's about the same character, but there are plenty of stories you could do in the MCU with Modok. But I would personally, I would say Ant Man Three is the place that makes the most sense. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I I honestly don't know where Modok uh, would fit. I mean, I agree with you, Ken. I mean, I think one something more tech based, um, you know, more yeah, Hydra E or. Uh, you know, yeah. type story. I think they botched Arnim Zola, by the way, who's actually is obviously a little similar uh, to Modok. I think yeah. they kind of botched him in Winter Soldier. Like he wasn't, really? that wasn't the 
they didn't kill Winter Soldier at all. But like, and I like, I don't. I botched it a strong word. Like it, it was, it was fine for what the story entailed. Yeah, I wouldn't have had high expectations for him. The first place. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. That's maybe that's maybe my thing that I would have hoped they would have done more with Arnim Dola. But you know, he was just like, he was you know a TV screen. I'm like, all right, you know. I guess it's kind of what he is, but like he's, he's similar to Modok in some ways. So I'm like, that's that's a concern. That also gave you a concern. Well, do they do they nerf Modok in a way that he's basically not Modok? I don't want to see the big floating fleshy head. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I want you know he has to they have to make him like Devoe or something if they wanted to give him a chair. Oh man, that would um, that would be terrible. That's where if you told me it, that. Modok is just a guy in a chair. He's all mutated, maybe like that's or, where I'm. Or, like, I don't want to see or maybe most of the movie, he's like not a, fl- a giant fleshy head, but then at the end, that's his final form or something. Right, like, I mean, yeah. similar to what they did with like Ego or something. Right, right. Yeah, that that's that's, that seems the, like the most likely scenario if you're introducing Modok to me. Like, I don't, you know, you don't you don't lead off with you know big head in a flying chair. <laughs> like that's not right. your that's not your lead off move introducing him to me. This is. Uh, especially after all the means we had with uh, with clone Palpatine, like I just think that that would just lead to more jokes that I don't think people would take seriously. I don't know. I feel like um, is there a way in which they can make Modok truly great and truly terrifying? Yes, because I feel like they said that Mysterio would be ridiculous. They said that um, Vulture would be ridiculous, and those two characters were outstanding. And I. And I, I wasn't sure about Vulture. I knew Mysterio could be great, and they did a great job with that. So could they make Mo, Modok great? Yeah, they probably could, but it's, he's not the easiest case study. I mean, he it is a great leap, but I do feel like putting him, whoever, whatever hero he's opposite, I think also would make the difference in whether or not it would work. I like the idea of Ant-Man because I think that Scott Lang's humor could really work very well opposite someone like someone as ridiculous and absurd as Modok. But part of me also feels like Modok is a pretty strong villain. Like part of me wonders like would I want to see him take an L to Ant Man? It's almost like, you know, wrestling booking at this point. It's like I want to put him in front of someone who's powerful, who I can who's believable as someone that 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 he would have trouble with if he ended up losing in the end. And I'm like Scott Lang does not feel like I Modok feels too strong to me for Scott Lang. Like, but, it, but it doesn't mean that you know you still couldn't make a good movie. Well, we've right. talked about Ant Man three potentially being Ant Man and the Wasp and Rapture. So now you got three, yeah, three superheroes. Yeah, I think I still want to see and like Ant Man. You know, look, you already he, know my he, theory. He's, took, he's fought like the Fantastic Four and the X Men to like a standstill by himself. You're, you already know my theory, man. Like, put Reed Richards in it. Right. <laughs> put yeah. uh, put Ben Grimm in it. <laughs> No, I'm joking. But like you could put Ben Grimm. In, 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 <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense. That, that would just be Feige doing way too much. That's way too much. But, uh, but yeah, no, I think I think I think Modok. I think I agree. You probably have to nerf him a little bit to make him like beatable in an Ant Man movie. But, um, but I don't think they're a good fit. Like Iron Man was the fit, and they 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 passed yeah. on, they passed on that movie. Yeah, yeah. Iron Man but, Iron Man was definitely the best fit. But like at this point, if we're getting a third Ant Man movie, like shouldn't we get like a real villain at this point? Because like the last two have been very mediocre. Like Ghost was just a random, random tech guy oh, girl, and you know what you call Yellow Jacket was a random tech guy. I think like, Ghost I think Ghost was underrated as a villain. I, I thought she was okay. 
Like, like, I mean, the story was what is what it was. It was what it was. Like, mm-hmm. I just feel like in terms of like stakes, the movie was very, very low stakes. You know, what's the like? Are we gonna raise him at all in in, in Ant Man mm-hmm. Three? Yeah. Are we gonna give Scott and, a real challenge? I mean, yeah, I mean, Modok would raise it exponentially based on the other people he's gone across. He's fought across like this. This is when it gets serious, you know. And we look, we may still have Michael Douglas involved and, you know, uh, Janet. So yes, yeah. Could have a team of Ant-Man. Yeah, and maybe that's what it would take to defeat someone like Modoc. Um, again, Marvel kind of has my... They're the situation for me where they're like, look, I kind of have a lot of trust with them to make it work. Not to say that they have a perfect record. They do not. But um, I would have some concerns about Modoc. doesn't mean I don't think that they should try it. But like I said, I mean, Modoc is a guy with a big head in a flying chair who has psychic powers and can control everything. Like, making that make sense in the contemporary times is not necessarily going to be the easiest task, but doesn't mean that it's the most impossible task either. So if they wanted to give it a shot, I'd certainly, uh, I'm going to watch either way. But I, I'd be interested to see how they may try to make that work. Um, let's, we have the show point of the show where we do our TV recaps. So this week we're talking Black Lightning. Um, this has been a show that we haven't talked about in a while, like I said, at the top of the podcast, because we've been um, talking about a bunch of other shows, quite frankly. And I'm kind of I'm kind of frustrated that we haven't talked about Black Lightning all this time, because I end up doing, you know, obviously coronavirus can't go outside, really. So this is my off day for my uh, day job. So I just made it a Black Lightning viewing marathon. I just watched like six or maybe more than that, like seven or eight episodes of Black Lightning prepare for this recap i gotta say i think that this was another strong season for black lightning um i i felt like the show i, I felt like the, the episodes really peaked um pretty much before the markovians kidnapped lynn i thought that's about i thought around then you probably had some of the best acting i thought from the actress that plays uh um uh, lynn stewart um i'm trying to figure her name here uh christine adams i thought was tremendous uh, I also thought that this is probably the best acting from uh, China Ann McClain playing uh, Jennifer. Also in those episodes, I thought she was really good. Um, I, I I think afterwards it was still really good. Like I think the whole season was good. I think it did kind of get a little like all over the place as soon as we kind of went to Markovia and then when we introduced um, our new villain, you know, Gravedigger, which is what a name for a villain. <laughs> I mean, like. Gravedigger, like I was like, wow. I was like, okay, this. It's funny as when I, you know what's crazy to me is people, you know, comic fans, black comic fans talk about this all the time, but like a lot of times, of course, you know, there weren't a lot of black heroes in you know seventies, eighties, or whatever. And when you go back into the history of these stories and coming up with these villains, and you know, we talk about obviously Man Ape in Black Black, uh, black Panther. And and I look at some of these villains that Black Lightning, you know, is dealing with. And I look at his Rose Gallery, and you hear some of these names, and you think you're a gravedigger. And I'm like, why? Like, the black heroes, like, they did a really bad job with, like, <laughs> making, like, well-rounded, non-offensive, you know, villains. Painkiller being, like, a vi- like, that's a, like, that's a ridiculous name. Uh, but it always seems like the black heroes seem to have the villains that have these, like, absurd, ridiculous names, ridiculous powers. Because... Like, people didn't know how to write black content during that time. A lot of times, there weren't black writers writing this stuff. So, you know, I guess that wasn't necessarily surprising. 
But um, I thought when, when Grave Diggers, uh, first of all, Wayne Brady, I think, was really good as Grave Digger. Um, I just that was f- Wayne Brady. Yeah, I was Wayne Brady. You didn't know that? I, th- I thought that was uh, Bobby Lashley. That's that's Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley <laughs> lost like seventy pounds of pure muscle. Okay, he, you've never seen Bobby Lashley. That man is got muscles on muscles on muscles. Um, he just, he just, Bobby Lashley is just a big, it's just a big bald muscle. Uh, Wayne Brady got in good shape and he he looked great in the role, but he's not Bobby Lashley. So he, he, like, he looks like he's Bobby Lashley. Yo, he looks like he's Bobby, Bobby Lashley's little brother. Yo, he he's looks Bobby Lashley, man. Yeah, Bobby Lashley's little brother, maybe. <laughs> Bobby Lashley's, you know, uh, old uncle. You know, he ain't he ain't Bobby Lashley. I watched this guy the whole time. Like, yo, what's Bobby Lashley gonna do now? <laughs> Whose power is he gonna take? Which power is he gonna use? <laughs> but um, oh, I, 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 Bobby Lashley this season, and there was uh, there's Troy Palomalu. I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about as well. Yeah, homeboy. Paul Mahler running around. Yeah, homeboy with the hair. Yo, that kid, like, I feel like, is he a villain? Because he, I feel like he took a hit. He, he was his, bugging like his character that. took a yeah. He, his character took a turn for the for the worse to me as the as the show went on. Is, is this another uh, Strucker kid? From, nah, uh, he gifted. Nah, no one's a Strucker kid. Well, I'm saying it's really, <laughs> yeah, in the sense that like. Uh, you know, you guys were the first ones to be like, "Oh, he's turning evil." He's definitely not. I'm a, like, he's definitely not an Andy Strucker. Yeah, Andy no, Strucker. There just, we go. I but, was like, "Nah, he was way more." I mean, because he was likable in the beginning, but yeah, he was. He was very likable. Well, not necessarily. I'm, I'm not saying the kid's terrible. I'm not saying he's got a bad character, but just you know, you guys were the first ones to forecast that Andy Andy Strucker was turning evil. Oh yeah, that was. I wasn't buying it. I was. Yeah, like, I, was, I saw that. In I was like, really? one. Andy Andy Strucker's <laughs> gonna be a villain. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, even yeah, beyond right. that, we were like, he's joining the Brotherhood, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, he'll be in the Brotherhood. He'll be on the Brotherhood. So I mean, is that the case with this kid? I don't. I mean, I don't. I, I think that they. I think that they've definitely purposely tried to illuminate that this kid has some anger issues, some abandonment issues, and some reckless tendencies. What that means, I don't know. But I think do think it's interesting that. He was calling him. He kind of was referring to himself as Geo, uh, which for you know, if you funny, if you go to Wikipedia, you know they link him to Geo Force. They link him to being Brion Markov, and you know we all know Markovians were a big part of this uh, of this this the show this season. And as we learn that kid's future, maybe he does have some kind of lineage to the Markovians. That we are we are not current we don't currently know about you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Maybe he does have a sister that's Tara. You know what I mean? I mean again these are, this he, they definitely seen he definitely has some family things that he doesn't know about that he 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 now may never know because Doctor Jace was killed another you know Markovian tie who was direct, connected directly to him. Which is crazy to me. It took me all this time that the the Doctor Jace from Young Justice was the same Doctor Jace in Black Lightning. I did, I totally just like didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. But, I was but like, now, now you like in my head, I saw I saw Doctor Jace talking to the Markovian dude. I was like, oh snap, that's the Doctor Jace that was from Young Justice. And then I looked it up. And I was like, yeah, yep. that's. I didn't even the whole time Doctor Jace has been in you know every, almost every season of Black Lightning. I never made that made that tie. 
But um, no, I I I I'll tell you what, I I like this season. I like that they brought Lady Eve back. I thought Lady Eve being killed off was one of the worst decisions I thought this show has made. And Jill Scott was so great in that role. I think she's still really good in the role. Um, so I'm happy to have her back. Hopefully, I don't think they killed her off. I know she kind of got shot at the end, but it didn't seem like she was killed in that scene. Um, we definitely got poor one out for my man uh, Henderson. I'm sad that he. he yeah, he yo, I got go. spoiled that Henderson was gonna die. Cause, oh, he got spoiled. Yeah, he posted oh, like some like uh, some you know goodbye to the show, and I'm like, well, I only black ladies you're going anywhere, so I'm guessing. Yeah, I, I saw that. someone after the scene. I looked it up. People were saying like, oh my god, now that I, after knowing that Henderson was gonna be back next season, is now seeing why, and it's like, so I guess maybe he posted it even before the show came out. Yeah, so yeah, he posted it like this week, but like, or last week, but um. It was funny because, like, I, like, totally forgot about it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when you watch, like, seven episodes of Black Lightning, you know, you, you forget that, oh, yeah, this guy leaving the show. And so that still surprised me. But then I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. This guy was supposed to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I, I thought this season was really solid. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought it was very, very good. Um, and to me, it just kept getting better. Right. I mean, I thought once the at that point with the appointment they introduced Gravedigger, I was very, very satisfied with the whole Gravedigger arc. I like this I, I, I storyline I didn't like. I mean, I like what they did with Painkiller. I mean, the more I saw Tobias Whale, I mean, the more you see Tobias Whale, the better. I mean, I kind of feel like I kind of feel like he had a really great. To me, this Tobias Whale season was like Kingpin season two of Daredevil. Yes. Like it was yes. great having yes. him kind of on the sidelines. Yes. And just kind of like, you know, him still being involved, but not necessarily right in the midst of it. And we got just enough of him to where, like, when he's back fully in the fold, potentially next season, like, like he'll be welcome with open arms. Right. And we missed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I, I, I would say if, if there's, like, one thing I would have said, maybe they could have. I mean, the more of him you get, the better. So maybe I could have seen more of Tobias Whale. Mm-hmm. But even what we got from him was great. So I, I'm not. Definitely not. Compl- that's not a complaint. I gotta give a shout out to, uh, to the. I gotta give a shout out to that one black nurse who finally like clapped back at him for being a self hating black man. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. well, because I realized the whole season nobody claps back when he says these. No one, cra- ever, no one ever says anything. But he's crazy, 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 stuff. <laughs> crazy, it's absurd, like racist stuff. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> and, and this guy was like, look at this black self hating black man. I was like, whoa, okay, homie, homie. I mean, I know, obviously, you know. Tobias was strapped up in a chair about to get injected, so I guess he felt comfortable. But still, even like people who are against Tobias don't seem to ever check him. I was like, wow, someone actually checked him on that absurdly racist stuff that he says on a regular basis. Um, yeah. It's funny because like, they, they like really like, like they, obviously the show writers want you to know that about him. Because so, anytime yeah. he's in the scene, that's like the first thing you said is some, some racist, some racist, some racist joke on <laughs> Black Lightning. Against black people. Khalil, black lightning, yeah, just in black, black women. I mean, yeah, stuff you can say about Lynn was crazy. He was saying some crazy stuff yeah. about Lynn. Yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, I mean, he was he was great in the show. I liked the La La stuff. Um, which, I mean, the first half of the season, I was like, what is going on? But right, I mean, right. it got better. Um, Lady Eve came back, which is great. All stuff, the programming was crazy. Yeah, the programming was crazy. Uh, I thought Gamby was good. I what like you, that kid TC. I yeah. love TC. TC. What do you think of the Khalil story? What? Well, I'll let you go. What do you say about no, TC? No, I was going to say I, I love TC. I thought that he was, I thought he was a great addition to this 
to this uh, show. I think that he brought comic relief. Um, I think it was really great. Bro, just and I, I thought, and I just thought that he at, he brought something to Gamby and uh, James Remar's performance that we haven't really seen. Like we, because Jefferson is so old, like yeah. that kind of father son relationship is just different than it would for like him mentoring a very young kid. And right. and you know, and uh, yes, like he he like he you no know, he you know his he he considers you know Anissa and Jennifer as like his nieces. But you know, it's still different than you know a true like kind of father son bond, and seeing perhaps maybe we we didn't get to see those years of him and Jefferson when Jefferson was young, and seeing him with TC in those like early scenes when he meets him, and like I just thought that those were, were just it was just great to see that performance, and it to me it gave me more background into even maybe Jefferson and Gamby's relationship. Because seeing how he trusted this kid so instantly, how much he wanted to help this kid so instantly, it made me understand even greater why him and Jefferson worked so well. You know what I'm saying? I love that dynamic. I love TC as a character, just period. But I also thought he he made Gamby's character better because it created a layer to Gamby that we never got to really see. We only see the result of it these decades that he's had. You know, being this kind of father figure to the, the one thing, and that that's an interesting perspective, EJ. Um, the one thing I, that I, I look at what what I think about with uh, TC is one of the things I've asked for in this show since its inception is one of the things is static shock, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know, we've had you know tease after tease and kid after kid show up. And it's not static, it's not Virgil Hawking. And I'm like, why couldn't that have been Virgil Hawkins? Or why couldn't we have included Virgil Hawkins in some level on this show now in three seasons? You know, that's just it. I'm just going to put it out there. I don't have much more to say on it. But You should write the, the showrunner. Yeah. I, I, does, is DC going to let them use static? Because I feel like that may be the only thing holding them up. Because I don't see, he would fit perfectly in this show. You know, like you could I easily mean, put him in there. I'd be surprised if they had something else. Plan. I mean, I think I think this like, no. I think the static shock will show up. I, to me, honestly, I think it comes down to I mean, how many lightning characters are you gonna have on this show? Yeah, like like you know, like you had to give a full introduction to superheroing for Anissa and for Jennifer before to me you introduce static shock. And though you know Jennifer is a, is not a lightning character, but you know, I mean, excuse me, Jennifer is a lightning character. Thunder That's isn't, yeah. but, but, uh, but Jennifer is, so it's all right. I'm going to add another lightning character onto it. Like, uh, I also like that TC, you know, is it, it, he kind of, he kind of is like a sidekick almost to Gamby because of his tech aspect to him. Like, right. he brings something different to the table that Static doesn't. Static just brings his name. You know what I'm saying? Like, th- there's nothing that he does that, like, we couldn't get from Jennifer or from, you know, Jefferson. He's just a, a name, a character with a lot of backstory, a lot of name, and a fan base. Which is not to say that that means that they shouldn't bring him on at some point. I think that they will, but I, I didn't feel like I, I feel like TC made sense because it, it 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 got to it got us back to Khalil. And while I, I I've never been the biggest fan of the Khalil character, I think that the arc they put him through this season was probably the one I found most interesting. You know what I'm saying? I, I think that, yeah. like, 
him having to deal with like because I thought even the last time like yes he had to deal with the consequences of like his actions but I don't know just this felt a little different like I guess because he was kind of just like a two-bit criminal like the consequences of the actions really weren't going to be like right anything yeah, bad just, anything bad happening to anyone he cares about really it was more yeah, about like just him like him being yeah. with Tobias got him killed. Yeah, he was just a Tobias stooge. Right, but like here it's like, okay. Well, what happens if this guy is like actually really lethal and like had no remorse and is actually hurting people he cares about and has done like re- reprehensible things that you just can't come back from? Like that's different. That's a different rehabilitation. You know, that's a different kind of coming back to whoever you're gonna be arc that I enjoyed way more than what he did with last year with him just running away from Tobias. I, I like that, that yeah, kind right. of, that kind of redeeming, I think wasn't, it just didn't seem very deep to me. Like this seemed way more in depth. Obviously it involved a lot more cockamamie stuff with putting it re, with once again, re, uh, you know, bring him back from the dead again. And, you know, and putting a chip in his head, like you know, it, 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 to get there, we had they had to do kind of crazy stuff. But I think the story that they were able to tell through that was great, and it allowed us to kind of learn TC more, and and it, we all enjoy that character. So it, it gave him value because he was able to immediately be trusted by the team because he was able to save someone like Khalil, and um, and I like that it's like you know, going to be kind of an ongoing struggle because that's one thing I hate too. I hate when people do reprehensible things that they're just like forgiven. It's like, all right, all is good now. He's a good guy again. It's like no, the idea that yeah, Ben Solo. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I like the, I, I like the idea that like you know this painkiller persona is kind of always with him and like I don't want to say he's two faced, but it's like he's always kind of have to kind of have to go back and forth. I, I didn't necessarily love all the the Khalil fighting Khalil stuff. They did it that too much. The, the, it yeah, was it too got kind of old. Yeah, they only that's a scene more than one. Or two yeah, years. that's only that scene I shouldn't see more than twice. Yeah. I felt like they did it like yeah. four times. Yeah, I think they did it maybe one too many times. Or I thought the last one was the best. The last one was cool. Yeah, but I thought they did it. A, but like, by the last one, one, I'm like this times. again. Right. <laughs> yeah. To me, it was like the last one and the first one should have been the only ones. Yeah. He had way too many interactions of him seeing him fight himself, and it was and the other guy, whoever the other guy was, that like was supposed to be him. Like his the head shape was just different. Like, <laughs> I was just like I was trying to I was trying to I'll be honest, I was trying to look for it. I couldn't tell the difference, but I was I was just like, man, this is a different guy right now, yo. <laughs> I'm looking at him talking to <laughs> some other re-watching. guy yeah, dressing the same stuff. <laughs> it, it was getting too noticeable for me. I was just like I can't even unsee that this is a different man standing in front of him. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. <laughs> you know, but I'm so, just like whatever. I'll just block Another it. little issue I had look we talk about uh our boy Bobby Lashley, aka Grave Digger. Oh. Wayne Brady. I, my my him. issues lie with. I think the story was pretty good. I think you know the powers maybe a little broken, but you know that was actually my that was actually my only beef with him. Honestly, was I thought his powers right. were too broken. Yeah, and that's fair. I for me, and this was more minor, but I don't need to see the story of like uh, this guy being related to, to Black Lightning. I don't think that that really added anything. No, I agree with that. They, 
they like I thought it was gonna mean more, and by the end, I'm like, this guy literally did not have to be related to him at all. No, you just oh my great uncle that I guess I kind of remember now that you remind me, and they have like one or two lines on it. You know, like, yeah. right, what do you want, kinfolk? Yeah, it was you like know, a, yeah. it was like that Stanford episode when you no know, the guy comes and you no know, they tell Fred, the hey, Uncle Leotis, yeah, 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 yeah you're, you're, you're an Uncle Leotis that just died, and he's like, I don't care about no Uncle Leotis, yeah. I, don't, I don't know Uncle Leotis from St. Louis. <laughs> but that's kind of how this felt. It was just like, okay, now Jefferson's randomly mentioning some uncle the that funniest, he, he's never talked the, about on this show ever the, once. The funniest line in the whole season for me, I literally laugh out loud was when after that scene. Lynn then comes into again and says, uh, I have something to say to you. And he's like, what, are you going to tell me Tobias is my cousin? That was a great line. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great line. Yeah. But, yeah, but, but I don't know. I thought that that was kind of an unnecessary connection. I, I, I guess they wanted to give him some sort of connection because it was kind of a random villain type thing. But Well, we, we see he's still alive. So I, we see he's still alive. So... Well, I, I agree. I do not I do not like it. Yeah, I do not like it at the moment. I agree with you. But I'm going to give them time to say perhaps they will flush this out more in a way that will make this more meaningful. At the moment, it just seems very flat. It just seems like something they just threw onto this character. I mean, it doesn't make him, to me, any less villainous. Like, that's maybe the only thing I can think of is maybe there's a way in which, you know, and maybe they'll have to, they'll have to reckon with that in the next season because, you know, towards the end, we kind of saw Black Lightning kind of flirting with this line of whether or not he should be killing people throughout the, definitely the second half of the season for sure. Um, but, you know, Lynn kind of saying, hey, you know, if it's you or him, he's got to go. And him going kind of reverting back to, no, I don't want to kill anybody. And uh, Lynn, remember, making that decision when they, that uh, when the a- ACA, you know, or whatever that thing is, ASA, yeah. ASA, ASA. Uh, when the headquarters was going to blow up. Lynn saying, yo, we got to go. And she's like, no, we got to He's like, no, we got to save him. And he's like, no, we're going to all die. It's him. He's got to die. And, then, you know, Black Lightning flies off. I'm I'm almost certain next season there's going to be a conversation of you did let my uncle die. You know what I'm saying? Even though, obviously, no, he's not dead. And that's a fight that's going to happen. I just don't know if it's enough. And, like, I don't, like to me, like, like well, Lynn, Lynn's decision was clearly. Now he's, now he's out loose. Yeah. And, like, clearly he's yeah, he right. Taken, he would have been in custody. Right, but I just feel like Lynn's decision was obviously the right one. So it's like it's a pointless argument that I really don't care to see play out. Like he's gonna he's gonna make that argument. It's like yeah, fam, but like the odds that you would have gotten all three of them out together were low. So yeah, of course you had to leave him. Like it wasn't it wasn't like I'm saying oh it's good like we should leave him. It was just like this is the only choice we have. We can't even try to save him because it may risk our lives, which. I don't know. People maybe listen to the podcast thinking I sound very like morbid <laughs> or very like kind of like cold blooded, but I don't know. Just in that specific scenario, they painted out. It seemed like that was the, clearly the only option, and I think him being his uncle will probably add a layer to whenever that future fight happens. But I don't know if that's enough to make me care. Like to me, the guy was clearly, and that was the other thing too, is that like if there was. I'd say my criticism, one, I thought his powers were too broken. Uh, but two, the other thing I thought that maybe was a little tough for me was trying to justify, make him a justifiable villain. Like someone like a Killmonger, who I've seen people compare him to. I, I kind of like where they were going with him. But to me, like his, like 
I guess I just didn't really quite understand his beef. Like he got like I understood his beef with the government and what has happened to, but like as Black Lightning kept pointing out, like his what he wanted to do didn't seem to make any sense to like get payback. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? It was like like why he kept saying he's like why are you in Freeland? Yeah, he's like, like, he's like okay, yes, yes, like what like meta humans being like you know experiment on and put in pods is wrong and then what the government has done to black people in experimenting on them and i love that this show has talked about that kind of stuff that's happened really happened to black people um is wrong that's all great what does that have to do with you saying i'm killing everyone in freeman who doesn't agree with me like it like i guess i just never saw like where that uh, to me i want to see that person um descent into madness to that, for that to make sense to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he played a very cool demeanor villain. Not to say that that means that you can't be a maniac. But, like, to me, that's a that's an insane, that's a mad idea. That that's how you're going to get payback. So, I want to see, like, where his, like, his, his, his justifications come from that. What are his principles that make him believe that this makes sense? And while I like his backstory, what they showed me didn't add up to me. Now, I did think that he was written very well in terms of his writing. I mean, I thought the the, the conversation he has with uh, Jennifer talking about Obama and Martin Luther King was probably one of the most jaw-dropping moments of the season for me. And it was just stunning to see a show on CW like that's, a, that's you know, written by black people speak so... I'm not going to say truthful, candidly. but candidly about, especially Barack Obama. <laughs> like that was, that was, I was like, wow. I, it woke me up having watched six or seven episodes in a row and, and him kind of speaking to, you know, whether or not we've truly made great progress. And, and I thought that actually was interesting for them to go the, I know that the Obama route in, in, in fairly recent times has been like the route to go to say, oh, this isn't real progress. But like a lot of times for people, it's just been saying going to Trump, just ban- you know, banging on, on Trump and what we have now as a uh, example of not having progress. So to see their, that character, that specific character go four years before and go to Obama was was interesting. I think him hitting on Martin Luther King was kind of to make him seem way more villainous. But like, while that seemed way more like out there, like the Obama stuff he was saying was outlandish and inflammatory, but like it was some real ish <laughs> also being said in some of the stuff he was kind of putting out there, at least some of the feeling there are out there about that. So, um, yeah, there were, he was like, he, to me, he was kind of a, a mixed bag. I liked him as a villain. And I, I, I feel like, would, I almost feel like he would be better off with like a full season to be really flushed out. I think that. He kind of got dropped in late, and he's intriguing, but, like, it's, it's, it was a lot for them to try to catch up with. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, a whole conversation with uh, uh, with Jen, I was just like, man, I, I was like, man, this is a great villain, man. I don't know. <laughs> I, I like great villains. Yeah, I know you like I, him a lot. I got to say, man, I was, I was very much a fan. I was very much a fan. I tell you what, those throwback scenes you know, especially fighting think- the wars were awesome. Yeah, those were great. Yeah. That, that that was very arrow arrow esque. Yeah, and like, I think 
I think one thing that I just enjoyed as well is it, it was such a stark contrast to the to Odell because Odell was like the main villain it seems for like the first half of the season, mm-hmm. and it was just the same. It was just that same kind of just that just blank stare, just oh Mr. Pierce. Yeah, everything seemed the same. If you want your family to be safe, blah 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 blah. Yeah, Odell. Yeah. Odell is kind of like the Bernie Sanders of Black Lightning, and let me explain that. Like, he's always going to be the same in every scenario. Like, regardless of what the crisis is or the conflict is, he's going to say the same things and act the same way. Like, right. and, and he's good at that thing. Hence why, like, yeah, generally he's exactly. an enjoyable villain. But, yeah. like, it's repetitive. You know what I'm saying? And, Very like, repetitive. him having, like, the same conversations with, like, Jefferson about if you don't do this, your family will pay. You know, like I've hit, you know, like he says that like a million times, and like the, I mean, the guy who plays Odell, uh, Bill Duke, is a legend. You know, what I'm saying like he's been, yeah. he's Bill Duke has played that same character maybe oh, yeah, five hundred, maybe yeah. five hundred times in his life. So he knows exactly what he's doing in playing that character, and and, and he's great. But at the same time, it, again, it is repetitive. So like the. Grave Digger character seemed way more unpredictable, way more, you know, what to expect. His interactions with people were different based on who he, with the energy that was being given out. You know, like he had different energy for Jennifer, which to me was like, I like that they kind of, uh, they, it was like, it was kind of tinted and sprinkled with a little bit of misogyny, like him saying little girl. And like, this is a guy who, you know, was in the forties or fifties or whatever when he first came up. So right. like, like. There are little like nuances to him and who he was interacting with and how he talked to them that was like, ooh, okay, oh, okay, I didn't know that about him. Like that's interesting. With Odell, it could be a man, it could be a woman, it could be an old person, it could be a young person. He's going to be the exact same way. He's not telling the truth. He's hiding something and he's threatening people. <laughs> it's it's the same thing. All right. It's, it's all great. He does it well, but that's what's going to happen every time. And for um. And, and for this guy with Gravedigger, I agree, Sham, that it was a it was a breath of fresh air because he shaked it up. I almost feel like I, I kind of wish we didn't deal with that other Markovian guy for like an episode or two. Because that guy was like, he brought nothing to the table. Like, yeah, as soon as Wayne Brady showed up, I was like, thank God. We have a new, like he said, like, there's a new man in charge. I'm like, yes, please, anybody but this guy. Because this guy is awful. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I mean, I just very much enjoyed his performance. And, um. I mean, next season seems seems like it's gonna be very interesting. Um, I don't know. Hopefully, they didn't. I mean, I didn't love the Grace storyline necessarily, but they kind of sort of wrote her off the show. It seems with her just being hit, and now she's in a coma, and I'm like, oh yeah, when am I gonna see yeah. her again? Yeah, that was kind of. Yeah, I don't know. I feel I feel like every time yeah, we're gonna find her on a new CW show or new Fox show. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like every time. Like the Grace Choi character seems to get some momentum and be headed in some maybe positive way, like they pull this thing. You know, like I don't know what her contract is and why they got it. <laughs> like clearly, it's, it's a contractual thing to me because there was no reason to write her off television and make her go into a coma. None. There was no reason to have her disappear randomly like last time they did it. It was like what happened could have all been like handled within like the. 16 episode construct of the show it didn't have to be we're gonna disappear for 10 episodes and she's gonna show back up again 
And it was crazy because you kind of knew something was going to happen with her when she's, like, talking to Jefferson, like, can't wait to be part of this family. And I'm like, this ain't going to go through. Something's going to happen. And sure enough, now she's in a coma. So, you know, now we'll have to have these episodes of, uh, you know, Jennifer saying, uh, excuse me, uh, and this is saying, look, Grace is in a coma. I got to go back to see what she's doing. Like, I don't have time for this or whatever. And it's like, just either let them be a thing and her be part of Team Black Lightning or... Send her away. I, I don't like this. Her going because to me, she's not honestly. She's just not been interesting enough a character for her to be kind of coming in and out. You know what I'm saying? Like if she was bringing yeah. something dynamic to the table as a personality, I could maybe live with the idea that she kind of comes in and out for whatever reason. But right now, she's just a bland romantic interest for Anissa, who's an extremely dynamic character. Who I would like the fact that like the only thing that makes to me, Grace interesting is that she's tethered to Anissa. Because Anissa is, I'd argue, maybe the most dynamic personality on the entire show. So, the fact that, like, when you have this Grace thing hanging over our heads, like, it doesn't really let Anissa do anything in terms of her relationships or her, um, yeah, her relationships. It doesn't let her go really beyond Grace if she keeps kind of being tugged by this anchor, which is not really all that like interesting to begin with i'd rather you just make that a thing and just move forward with it so we can keep we have a consistency of what anissa's life is like and, and everything they're moving forward with it or just move on but i don't like this kind of you know half and half game they've been playing yeah um so yeah i don't know i mean i don't know when we're gonna see her again uh i haven't loved her arc so far similar to uj but um, but yeah, I don't know. I thought that was a little lazy. I was like, all right, whatever. I mean, we got other stuff going on. We still got Tobias in the mix. Still got Lala, Lady Eve. Um, well, actually, do we still have Lady Eve? Nah, she didn't well, die, we, right? Yeah, so we don't know. That wasn't made clear. Like, she was badly injured after being shot by the ASA yeah, it looked like Asians. Yeah, like she was really messed up. Yeah. But, I mean, we didn't see her die, so I'm not going to assume she's dead. But, like, with... Everybody in this show. I mean, this show, death is really not all that big a deal. <laughs> well, yeah, clearly. Like, yeah. we've seen almost every major character that's died come back to life. Like, literally, almost every major character that has died has come back to life. Maybe with the exception of Khalil's mom. And even, like, <laughs> the, and even the first girl from, like, the, the season premiere that Lala killed. Like, we've seen, like, that woman, like... Not maybe fully to life, but like we've seen like her a lot in like yeah. Lala's head, you know. So like, yeah, same same with that other kid Lala killed his nephew or whatever, right? Or his cousin, or yeah, his crazy cousin. So like everyone comes back to life with the show. So maybe that's hope for Henderson, though. Again, he said that he's off the show for a while, no, at least for next season. So his return doesn't seem imminent. And I I would hope that if they're gonna leave anyone dead, they should leave him dead. I, I think that that should be. You know he he's like too like righteous a character I think to cheaply yeah they shouldn't bring him back no. yeah yeah he needs to stay dead yeah, yeah. absolutely um any last thoughts on on uh, on Black Lightning thoughts on next season I kind of one thing I will say is of the shows we've seen so far this has been the show that is like that just really dealt nothing with the crisis um aftermath like they didn't yeah just. Yeah, just a few few snide com slide uh, like slide comments, but like nothing nothing major. 
I, I do hope, and I'm not sure how much in the loop, because we know Black Lightning was kind of its own thing. And uh, so I don't know how much Selene McKeel was involved, the showrunner was involved with, you know, Berlanti and everything they were doing. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that maybe next season, like, there is more collaboration so that, like, what's happening in these uh, in these shows is going to be more, will link a little bit more to what's happening in the overall Earth Prime, I guess is the official term for it now. Because uh, that's probably the one thing I thought that was missing. I, I thought that the episode before the crisis was, if we're talking about Jenny Award level, I thought that that was a nominee potentially for one of the best episodes I've seen um, from any show this season so far. And uh, I was just disappointed that they didn't pick up any of the pieces from, like, really anything that they established, even in that episode, but definitely in um, in Crisis. So I'm hoping uh, they did have they did introduce Gotham City. So we saw her. We saw, you know, the fact that Odell had to go back to Gotham and that's where he was right. stationed. And when they had that hearing, you know, they had to go to Gotham City to have the hearing. So that makes me think that, you know, I'm almost certain with all the outsider references we've had in the show already that you know black lightning in gotham city will absolutely be something that we see and a batwoman crossover definitely is also going to be possible as well um so that's something maybe to look forward to but uh i think that's a good place to wrap the show guys so i want to thank you all for listening to this edition of the new generation hero talk podcast if you've never heard this show we do um commentary on Sport, superhero television, superhero movies every week, or at least we try to do it every week. So maybe maybe get some weeks most of the time. We're we're on every week. Usually we tape our shows on Sunday or Monday night. We've recently it's been Monday nights, so usually you can get our podcasts uh, every Tuesday morning. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on SoundCloud, we're on uh, Stitcher, we're on TuneIn as well. Um, you can catch our YouTube channel, New Generation Media, where we do not just superhero content, but very recently most of our content has been basketball related. We do a lot of sports videos. Um, which is also a big part of our podcast network. You can find um, our videos on New Generation Media. Follow us on social media. On Facebook, we're New Generation Media. On Twitter, we're New Generation Pod. And on Instagram, we're New Generation Podcasts. Uh, you can find Shamari on Snapchat and Instagram, MCShan22. You can find me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart. And on Instagram, Action EJ. That does it for now. Hope you guys all stay safe in this uh, coronavirus pandemic. Make sure, again, wash your hands, stay away from people. Um, Just practice those social distancing practices that everyone's been talking about. And hopefully we'll all get through this together. But for Kendall, for Shamari, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.